Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Big Ten Hoops Weekly Show. It is November 26th today, and um, I am here with Brett, and we are here to talk about uh, multi-team event week, or MTE week, as they call it for us basketball nerds. Brett, you know, we're about three weeks through the season, and just like we all expected, at the top of the Big Ten, we've got an undefeated Purdue and an undefeated Nebraska team. Um, that's that's what you picked, right? Yeah, I I had that exactly written on my bingo card. You know, it's and I think I think obviously we've kind of talked about the need for teams teams like Nebraska, kind of inexperienced, um, not as highly talented teams, just kind of stacking wins in order to build confidence as the uh, season gets rolling and and teams kind of learn. Learn, learn themselves and how they play best. Um, and I think I think there's a lot to be said for scheduling that to a degree, maybe not to the to the degree that Nebraska has, but uh, good for them anyways. I'm sure we'll we'll discuss them a little bit later. Um, but yes, I I did not know that we'd see a fully undefeated Purdue, but uh, they have been very impressive so far, to say the least. Yeah, and 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 we'll get into all that um, momentarily here. But yeah, I think as we were talking before recording this was was a was a weird week uh this this week during the the week of thanksgiving i think we uh yeah usually this week is you know when you see you know you see the good teams sort of you know roll in their in their early season tournaments um and you know sometimes you see our upstart teams pop up sometimes you see upsets we got a you know really all that and more this week from the conference and so um we'll take you all through that but um, kind of like uh, we started like nearly every episode last year and we've started the first few episodes this year. Um, you can't really talk about the what's transpired in the conference this year without starting with Purdue. And, you know, we know we knew that a lot of the discussion with them coming into the season was not going to actually be about the regular season. It was going to be about how do they respond you know, from losing to a 16 seed and will any of the regular season matter, um, you know, before we get to March. But you look up and Purdue got wins this week over, you know, 11th ranked Gonzaga, 7th ranked Tennessee and 4th ranked Marquette, I believe, in and route to a Maui title. I don't know that you needed any more emphatic of a statement from that team to sort of assert their position as you know, one of the favorites really to, to win it all this year. Uh, but they, they did it, they did it the, you know, the same way that they did it riding Zach Eady and, you know, their, their top upstart guards and, and Fletcher lawyer and Brayden Smith. But yeah, I mean, I think really what was, I think most astonishing to me was just how they, they sort of stuck to their identity. You know, they grinded out these wins. They weren't, you know, blowouts by any means, but they weren't, like, you know, it's not like they won these on buzzer beaters. I mean, Brett, what is your just reaction to Purdue's performance this week um, in, I, I guess, at the Maui Invitational in, in Honolulu this year? I, I don't think you can really say anything other than uh, I was very impressed. Um, and I think you, you hit it right on the head with they were they were these games were all dogfights for the most part. I mean, they were able to kind of pull away from Gonzaga towards the end um, and, you know, make that a, at least a double digit game. But their other two games were both within five points against, you know, two extremely talented teams in in a Tennessee team that already had a win over Wisconsin and a, and a Marquette team that, you know, was was fourth in the nation. And we should see Purdue at number one uh, come tomorrow. But I think that 
we're getting, as we'd mentioned, we're getting a lot of contributions from players not named Zach Eady. Um, you know, you saw against Tennessee, Fletcher Lawyer had 27 points. Um, and even though in Edie had obviously 28 and 15 and was fantastic against Marquette, but you saw a very well-rounded contribution from this team. And I think that, you know, you had three other players in double figures with, with Braden Smith, Fletcher lawyer and Lance Jones. And I, I, I do really want to kind of shout out Lance Jones. Cause he's the kind of player that this team was missing last year, where it's, it's another dependable guard, but not a ball dominant one. Um, and he's, he's a guy that can, can stretch out the defense and really make it harder for teams to pack the paint against Edie. They're, the Purdue is top five in both offense and defense per Ken Palm so far. Uh, and when you consider the competition they've played, in, especially in the last three games, and you include a top another top 40 team in Xavier, I mean, it's 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 really, really good. Um, I, I can't really drive that home enough. I think those those three games in those three days really establish that Purdue is is locked in and, and really focusing on the future and the current instead of the past. Yeah, yeah, and, it, and it, I think another another point to shout out: Braden Smith is currently leading the the conference in assists with just over over six a game. Um, you know, so he, you can see his his development in in that area too. They've got some you know great distributors that you know now in in Lawyer and Smith who who now have one more year of experience. I think you know we're we're seeing Purdue flex their muscle from just a experience standpoint. You know, especially and and that's not to say you know. Uh, Marquette, Tennessee, Gonzaga, you know, they've got, they've got guys that, you know, were on their team last year and, you know, those programs all have well developed identities, but I think at the same time, we're seeing sort of just the combination of the, the force that is Zach Eady, uh, along with them, not, not panicking and not seeming like their late season hiccup last year is, you know, being allowed to roll over and impact this year. Um, and, you know, I think it speaks to how Matt Painter sort of, kept them together and uh you know they're they're rocking and rolling heading into conference play this year before we move on from purdue i think brett we uh, are not gonna want to pass by the opportunity to uh talk about our favorite fact about tennessee since um i didn't think we were gonna get two shots to to talk about them on our our podcast this year but nonetheless do you want to share your favorite stat about tennessee with everyone Steve, I would love to share my favorite stat about Tennessee uh, with with the audience, and that is, of course, that Rick Barnes did not make the Sweet 16 with Kevin Durant. Thank you for the opportunity. Of course. Now that we are done with our Rick Barnes segment of the show, let's move on to another team that looked really, really impressive uh, this week, and that's the University of Wisconsin Badgers. So in this week, they 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 blew out um, Virginia and kind of discarded SMU as well uh, down in Fort Myers at their multi-team events. I'll be curious for your thoughts just kind of overall on Wisconsin, but, you know, we, we sort of, we saw them take on a Tennessee team, you know, in, in week one of the season and, um, you, know, you know, they looked a little bit overmatched there, but um, I just continue to marvel at the balance that this team has. But they've had five uh, guys averaging, uh, double figures and one of them doesn't even even start for them you, you know a, AJ store seems to have have really fit in well and he's he's actually their leading scorer and 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 frankly you know I think when you look at just contributions from Crowell and Hepburn I don't like I think there's all room for improvement despite the fact that they're sort of still producing so you know I know we were pretty high on Wisconsin just because of their continuity coming in to this season I guess is this week a validation of that or is it something else that 
you know, it's sort of driving them to appear to be sort of coming together as we as we flip into December here? That's a really good question. And I, I think that you're seeing a lot of it kind of come together. And I think there's also a lot of room for improvement. But so far, I think and I think we saw this a lot in these two games specifically compared to the games like the T- Tennessee and, and Providence games that ended up in, in losses for Wisconsin. But there is now more of a focus or less of a focus on establishing Tyler wall in the post where he's been pretty inefficient the last couple of years and letting him get to the basket more on straight line drives or, you know, just having him cut. And I think that that's made a huge difference because they're not just kind of giving into a black hole on offense and they're moving the ball around more and spreading the defense more. And, you know, I think a big comparison to this, you know, what, what is essentially the same team from last year um, plus AJ store and, and the freshman is, even in games where they're not hitting threes and, and, you know, there have been a few of them this year, they're, they're not really great. They're not shooting the ball great. And I think the SMU game was a real, real example, real shining example of this, where they're five for 24 from three, they were down by six at halftime, came back and won by eight um, by not by forcing threes. I mean, they maybe took too many there, but they're getting to the basket in other ways. And I think the additions of store and John Blackwell, the the freshman that we haven't really talked about yet are, kind of bring this extra dynamic of athleticism and getting to the hoop and converting at the rim that wasn't there last year. Um, and so there's, they're able to generate more points in the half court at the rim and, and maybe even from the mid range without relying on the three. And so I think that's where we're seeing the big difference. And that's where we're seeing we're in games where Wisconsin's not shooting well early, uh, especially from outside, they're still able to actually hang in these games and, and win a couple of them um, even with, uh, lapses from three. And I will say just one more thing. The defense has gotten a lot tighter, especially even compared to earlier this season, the rotations are crisper and they're, you see it reflected in, in games such as the Virginia game where they held Virginia to 41 points. Yeah. So Wisconsin will kind of head into the month of December with a, a very clean resume, all things considered. I think no, no shame in looking down at their two losses thus far, especially the Tennessee loss. And uh, yeah, I don't know how that SMU wins going to look at, at, you know, the end of the season, but the Virginia one, I think should hold through throughout. And so they're very, very well positioned as um, they look to start conference play here soon. Um, another team that I, I'd say was a, a little bit of a surprise in their strong performance this week was the Ohio state Buckeyes. They put up 92 on Alabama on Friday at the Emerald Coast um, Classic. And so they picked up a, a win over a, a ranked team there. They also went on to, you know, blow the doors off of Santa Clara, which again, I don't know how that win's going to look come tourney time, but at least historically, you know, they've had, you know, th- they've had some success. And so that's more than I think than just kind of a, a cupcake win over a mid-major. Friday was the coming out party for Bruce Thornton, which I know is a guy that we'd been high on um, as so we saw him get more playing time late into last year. But um, he he put up 29 points on 12 shots on Friday against Alabama. And, you know, I mean, you, Roddy Gale, um, you know, being a big contributor as well. Um, and Jamison Battle, you know, a nice addition who's been contributing too. And, you know, they, they still kind of a, a – a good post rotation that they've got with Zed key still there and Felix Okpara kind of splitting time at, at that position there. I mean, I, I think we all expected an Ohio state rebound from last year, given how they ended the year last year. Uh, but all of a sudden you look up there, they're five and one. And um, you know, I think knocking on the door of looking like 
um, a, a tournament team, sort of all things considered, based on what we've seen early. What do you think? Yeah, it's it's hard to argue with that. I mean, this this Alabama win, I think, is gonna gonna look quite good because Alabama is still a top ten Ken Palm team uh, even after that loss. And I think I think a big thing, especially for a team that didn't have a ton of success until really late in the season last year, is that they didn't let that win kind of be their Super Bowl for the weekend, and they they knew they had to come out and compete against a Santa Clara team that again, you know, isn't amazing, but still is worth putting up a fight and they beat them by 30. So I think that the mindset, Chris Holtman's got this, the mindset right with this team. Um, and now it's just about making sure that, that the guys around Thornton can produce. Um, and I think even a, a more interesting sign is that in the Alabama game, you know, Jameson battle only had nine points. Um, so it was really Gail and, and, and Thornton that were carrying the team. And I think that with key off the bench, you've got a lot of options kind of for a second unit that can be really effective. And and key, I assume, will probably keep closing games during uh, down the stretch of the season. Um, and you've got Dale Bonner, who's got a lot of experience in P5, in power five games uh, coming off the bench as well. So I think this is a really well-rounded, if not super deep team. And I think as we've kind of talked through before, once the grind of the Big Ten season starts, teams with seven man rotations might be in a little bit of trouble. But I think if they get this 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 level of Bruce Thornton most nights, uh, they're going to be hard to beat, even even if the team isn't super deep. Yeah, so I think got to be feeling good if you're an Ohio State fan, kind of going into the three weeks into the season here, uh, despite the where their football program is right now. How, how long were you uh, planning that one? It, it came to me two seconds ago. Um, the last positive thing that we want to hit on this week is. Um, like we talked about at the at the beginning, the, the Nebraska Cornhuskers are are seven and zero, and you know they were kind of a team that also showed signs of life at the end of last year. Um, you know, I I will admit this, their schedule this year has has not been daunting by any means, but they did pick up wins over Cal State Fullerton and Duquesne this week, coming off the heels of a, a blowout win over Oregon State last week, um, which while not a you know, not the highest quality power five when it's power five win nonetheless. Um, you know, Brett, you hit on it at the beginning. I think with some teams, you know, it's better to schedule easy at the beginning of the year to build confidence um, with, without naming names. If you're Tom Izzo, you know, you, you might take a different approach if you have a little bit more veteran of a team. Um, you know, it, it seems to really be working out well with, you know, Bryce William and, and rink are, are having, um, you know, their, their mid double digits, uh, mid double digit scores with, um, Tomanaga had a, had a breakout game earlier this week, but you know, you know, they're going to continue to get production from him. I don't really know what to make of this Nebraska team. Uh, I think we'll find out very soon in the next couple of weeks, whether they're for real or not. We'll talk about that a little bit later as well, but is, is this anything we should take seriously or, or, or should we continue to sort of laugh it off? Like, like we have been thus far. Probably somewhere in the middle. I still think winning seven games is is pretty impressive. And I think that Duquesne game specifically, I mean, they're a team that made the postseason last year at a 20 and 13 record. Uh, and they're five and two with their only two losses being to, I believe, Princeton and Nebraska. So they're they're definitely not a laugh, a laugh it off game. But and I think when when the schedule was being made, you look at maybe Oregon State and you say, all right, they're at least a power five team they're They can't be that bad. Uh, and spoiler alert, they they can. They're terrible. But I, I I do think, especially the way that we've seen the the committee that really cares about stacking wins. And we're a long way off before we're talking about Nebraska in the in the 
in the tournament contention, but seven wins is still good. I think especially as you head towards what's going to be a grinder of a next two next couple of weeks where they've got uh, Creighton, Michigan State and Kansas State all on the books between now and December 17th. It's good to stack wins and get your team feeling confident. I think they could have probably scheduled a couple more in between that like 100 to 200 level because they only have one of those games right now, and that's Oregon State. But I think you like if you're a Cornhusker fan, you you just like seeing the, con- the not the continuity, but everyone everyone playing pretty well. I mean, Jawan getting Jawan Gary back has been been a boon. He's averaging 17 points right now, and you mentioned uh, Williams, Mass, and Tominaga, and I think that's a pretty solid you know group of guys. Uh, so far, I mean, obviously we'll see what the rest of their team is made of when they get into conference play, but it's better than going three and four against the same, the same slate. So I guess I'll give them that they've at least shown up and won all these games. All right. So kind of on that note, I, I, I think the, the four teams that we've talked about thus far are really the, the, the teams that, you know, will have their heads held high, especially after the performance this week. Um, let's shift gears now and talk about teams that had. Uh, a little bit more mixed results. And I think there's no better contrast than Nebraska to, to, to than to kind of move towards than Michigan State. Uh, they are sitting at three and three, six games into the season. Um, and, and, you know, by to some degree, when you have Duke and Arizona on the schedule, you know, both top 10 teams, yeah, I think Michigan State thought that they were going to be able to hang pound for pound with both of those teams. And to some degree, they did. Um, you know, but you've got losses on the schedule uh, against those two teams. You have the um, the James Madison loss. Um, I, I mean, in looking at their game against Arizona this week, I, I don't think you walk away thinking like you can't hang with them. But I, I, I think at some point you just have to start stockpiling wins, right? They have another game against Baylor um, on their schedule in a couple of weeks, which is going to be another top 25 team. Um, but other than that, actually, the, the conference schedule is pretty bare the rest of the way. Um, so, you know, to me, instead of looking like a conference title contender and potentially a sleeper Final Four contender, I'm looking at a team here that, you know, is is, is more in the middle than it is, you know, a, 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 a top 15, you know, sweet 16 team. Just you know, because they haven't proven it on the court yet. Uh, but that being said, you know you're getting a, a Tyson Walker. The production from him still looks better. You know that Tom Izzo teams get better as the season goes along, and you know that you've got a lot of veteran leaders that I think will be crucial for them in navigating them through the the Big Ten schedule. So, so Brett, I think what do you make of their their loss to Arizona? And do you think uh, do you think their schedule is an advantage or a disadvantage for them at this point? I think the loss to Arizona showed a few things. I think one, you're still worried about three point shooting. They're still in the three hundreds in, in that percentage. They have not broken 30% yet. If my numbers are correct. Um, and they are, they're at 26.8% uh, percent for the season. So an improvement, but I mean, not almost ever anything is an improvement over six and a half percent from the first week. Um, but I think you're also seeing the resilience factor. They were down by as much as 15 against Arizona uh, early in the game too. And they could like, there are plenty of teams that either fold or just don't have the horses to get back in the game. Um, And we, we saw Michigan state take the lead with just under four minutes left in that game um, and made it, you know, a dogfight down the stretch losing by losing by six to Arizona is, is, is no, you know, nothing to really hang your head about. 
Um, granted, I think they would have liked to have a cleaner game from the beginning because um, it really looked like Arizona was going to run away with it to start. I, there's still a lot of room for efficiency um, in their offense. And I actually think something interesting is that that uh, Carson Cooper has been was was put into the starting lineup for that Arizona game over Marty Sissoko. So I wonder if that's going to be something to monitor as we look at how their bigs play and whether they're going to be needed more offensively, because we know a lot about Sissoko at this point and he is offensively limited which, you know, it just kind of is what it is at this point with him. Um, and they don't really have an established big, so I think they're going to really try and manufacture lineups to to make things work. I think they're going to be a little small. I think you're going to see a lot more of Malik Hall playing big, uh, which, you know, we'll see how that goes. But I think that I think that there's there's some degree of positives and negatives for this early season scheduling for Michigan State. I think that getting your team experience in these big games if you really think you're a second weekend tournament team is is at its core a good thing I think they would have liked to win one of those games and I think that that Baylor game is also going to be a lot I don't think that we're yet in the like Michigan State is going to lose or end up on the bubble and need to stack wins but it, it could be kind of important for for seeding purposes as we as we move down towards March but I, I I think that most teams in the Big Ten besides Purdue would have a lot of trouble hanging with Arizona and Duke to the degree that Michigan State did. So I don't see it as an issue relative to their positioning in this conference. Um, still think that they are probably the second best team in this in this conference. Um, although their their depth may may really put things to the test uh, once we get towards February. All all great points there. Um, I think before we move on to uh, the last two teams that we wanted to hit on. Um, wanted to give a little bit of a shout out to Indiana as well for a team that, you know, at least took a step forward this week. Um, you know, I know it isn't it isn't much to write home about beating. I mean, I know we made fun of Nebraska for their um, so-called power five win over Oregon State. I, I'd argue that the win over Louisville for Indiana is less impressive than the win over Oregon State. But nonetheless, they uh, they got the win there and then they also beat. You know, a Harvard team that I think is traditionally, a, um, you know, a, a challenge for for power five teams and ones that they don't like to schedule. Um, you know, specifically, uh, you know, the, I think the thing that you have to be most happy about if you're Indiana is the, the 28 point um, effort from uh, Khalil Ware in that game against Harvard, as well as the 18 point effort from uh, Mabako, which I think, you know, just given how highly recruited it is. I know Indiana fans have, have definitely been waiting for that. Um, won't spend too much more time on them because I, I don't know that um, these wins are particularly noteworthy, but I know that they've needed a tug in the right direction given their sort of uninspiring start to the season, at least in terms of their on-court play. But now I want to talk about I think, three teams in particular that – had sort of so-so efforts um, one way or another um, in their multi-team events this week. Um, let's start with Michigan. They go to Atlantis and they go one and two, um, losing their first round game to Memphis in a game where, you know, they were down uh, 14 or 15 points um, in late in the first half, early in the second half and had their comeback fall short. Um, they beat uh, a Stanford team that, I think some people might, you know, have have some upside on on them just given some of the the transfers and stuff that they that they've taken in, but they didn't perform well in this Atlantis tournament either. So 
TBD on what we think of that win. And then they got blown out by, by Texas Tech. Um, so, you know, I, I think Michigan, at this point, Brett, the optimism surrounding this team based on their their first three games of the year, I think is, is long gone at this point. Wouldn't you agree? I would. I will say I think that we're obviously seeing Doug McDaniel take a big step. I think he's been playing really, really well this year. Um, and, and stepping into that, that higher, that obviously more, you know, fixed role. Um, and we've seen solid play from, from Kamwa and, and Reed, um, and Burnett and Terrence Williams, I guess, sort of appeared for this part of the Stanford game. I will say, I think that Stanford team is terrible. Um, I, that, I watched like that whole game and I don't think anybody wanted to win that game until like there were 30 seconds left and Michigan finally took control. But I think I think we're looking when you look at the defensive end of things, I think you're you're seeing what is going to kind of be a season long struggle for for Michigan to just stay in front of more athletic and and rangier teams. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily going to be a huge issue down the stretch in the Big Ten. I think, you know, like Memphis and Texas Tech were are, are built differently than most teams in the Big Ten are. But I think that they're just kind of overall as a lack of defensive cohesion for the most part. And that's kind of where Michigan has gotten into trouble, even going back to the Long Beach State game. Yeah, I think I agree with you there. I think they've 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 got length, which is actually something that I think not every Big Ten team has, but they can't they have been able to transfer it into defensive cohesion yet so i think in some ways the the makings are there and and frankly any improvement that they could get you know to make their defense go from putrid to like passable you know might be enough to steal them a few wins throughout the season but um i think also the one thing to note there is they haven't really had Jawan howard really for a, a full game as as coach yet so we'll see how that plays out um, I think another team that we wanted to call out. So Penn State played in the ESPN events invitational this weekend. They they dropped three losses. Like no shame in in losing to to Texas A&M. Um, the loss to Butler I think is going to sting. And then kind of to add more sting to this, Mike Rhodes loses to his former team in, in VCU and uh, with with a number of you know their players on his roster and. Um, you know, I know it's sort of a we, we warned everyone at the beginning of the year. Penn State basically had a 100 percent roster turnover heading into this year. So, you know, I, I think we we knew this season in particular could could be a long season. But I mean, they're they're really going to be fighting an uphill battle, um, losing every opportunity they had to pick up a, a quality win or two this week. Yeah, I think uh, and shout out former former Michigan player Zeb Jackson with uh, 22 points for VCU and that win over Penn State. But yeah, I, I think everything we've kind of said about Penn State was was kind of reared its head. I mean, Ace Baldwin had 27 points against VCU uh, and and Wahab chipped in a, a, a double figure game, too. But I just I just don't think this team has quite enough talent. And, you know, the 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 real, you know, thought process on Mike Rhodes obviously starts next year. But Dropping those last two games has to has to hurt, but it was a huge step up in competition from the awful, awful, awful teams that they had played beforehand. So I guess it was to be expected to some degree. And then I think finally, you know, our last bit before we got into the preview. So wanted to call out Iowa. They lost to Oklahoma in their first game this week, but then turned around and beat Seton Hall. Yeah, you know, I think 
with, with them, they they never seem to, you know, they, they never seem to fully go into rebuilding mode. And I think a lot of that is a testament to just Fran McCaffrey and his ability to continue to get guys on his team that know how to play offense, even if they don't know how to play defense. Um, I think, you know, teams will, uh, they're playing, I, I want to say they're like, they're, they're playing more guys with, you know, 15, 20 minutes a game, you know, this year than they, they kind of have in the past, but you know, they, they, they usually have like a, an alpha star that they can hang their hat on. And, you know, they don't really have that this year. Um, I, I think all in all, I mean, you look up and, and if you're Iowa, you know, you're, you're sitting here three weeks in at four and two with your two losses to Oklahoma and Creighton. I, I don't think that's, you know, terribly damaging to their resume. Uh, but at the same time, you know, I, I think this team's going to be firmly on the bubble. Um, so I, I think, you know, survive in advance mode for, for Iowa this week, more or less, right? Yes, with the caveat that I'm pretty sure I think that Oklahoma game really kind of showed all of the issues we had had with Iowa coming into this season where, like you said, there's no go-to scorer anymore. I guess it could be Cricky. I guess it could be Peyton Sanford, but there's not a guy there. They're, 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 you don't know who's taking the last shot on that team. And I think that's a problem because in these seasons where they've still have not played any defense, they've at least had like you know, that alpha scorer who can really just go get you a bucket when you need a bucket. And for the last couple of years, it's been the Murray's that factor is also compounded when they still can't play any defense. I mean, the, the amount of open shots that Oklahoma generated during that game, they shot 62% almost from two. And, you know, even though they only shot 20% from three, they won that game by 13. I think that's a huge problem. And I think you're seeing, you know, Cricky's not that big and their backup center is a freshman Owen Freeman, who, you know, he'll get there, but right now he's 6'10", 230. Like, there's not a lot of bulk on the inside to to deter attacks on the rim, and I think we're going to see that rear its head, especially when you get into conference play. Um, but on the other hand, they were able to rebound from that and beat another Power 5 team in Seton Hall, and I think that that's, that's good momentum heading back from those MTEs. And transitioning sort of into the, the previews in our last couple of minutes here, so this week we've we've got some conference games to to talk about, and that's where momentum from a multi-team event week will, uh, you know, I think will really matter as you know we see uh, more difficult games on the schedule for some teams. Um, first half of the week actually is is mostly cupcakes for the conference. So our first games that we're going to talk about are on Friday. Um, where Maryland heads to Bloomington to take on Indiana first. Uh, I think, you know, uh, Indiana's picked up some momentum, like we just talked about this week. Um, I think it's really, really important for them to um, come in and defend home court, um, especially against a Maryland team that has not looked impressive at all um, to start the season. Um, I, I actually think Maryland should win this game. Just look, if you look at kind of the roster up and down, but, um, you know, for Indiana to get their conference play off to the right start, I think this is a, this is probably a more crucial game for them. Whereas Maryland's still sort of figuring some things out. And then I think in the second game, you know, we've got Purdue heading to Northwestern and, you know, Northwestern won this game last year. Um, and you know, Purdue, you know, I, I don't know if, you know, they they may be a little high on themselves with the with the week that they just had that we talked about. Northwestern will be overmatched with them. But, you know, I, I think there's still 
um, a good degree of confidence that, you know, the players have in, in their ability to be a top quarter of the conference team this year. Um, and so, you know, look for Boo Booey to have uh, another breakup performance, but also look for Purdue to go in and avenge what what took place there last year. They, you know, just with how focused Painter has them and um, how on a mission they seem like they are this year. I think we're going to be in for a really, really uh, good battle. I think it's easy to, to sort of go into Evanston on a Friday night and get sort of get sort of distracted and um, and sort of surprised. Um, but it, this really could be like a, two of the teams that are kind of at the top of the conference come into the season. And, and we're getting that in, in the first game in early December here. Uh, what's on tap for us on Saturday, Brett? Right. So first game I want to talk about is uh, Michigan going uh, to Eugene to face on face off with future conference foe Oregon. I guess they just wanted to really get a start on this uh, early. And so we're looking at two teams that each suffered two losses uh, last week and are really going to be wanting to get back on track. And I think that when you look at it, I mean, it's two uh, offenses. So Michigan's offense is 25th in the country per Ken Palm and Oregon's is 31st. So I think we're going to see a lot of really creative game planning um, and a lot of points in this game uh, because both teams are outside the top 75 in defense as well. So I think you're really looking at Doug McDaniel to continue his play. And I think this is a game you really want to get Namari Burnett, try and get him back on track after a, a couple uh, not as great shooting performances after the St. John's game. Um, they do. Oregon does have a lot of height inside. They've got um, 6'11", Folly Dante, and 7'8", Biddle. So I think it might be a little bit of tough sledding for Michigan around the rim. Um, so I think that they're really going to work to try and scheme more shots on the perimeter um, and just to really kind of knock those down and 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 see if they can hold their own on the defensive end. Um, so it should be a very, very intriguing game. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that one. Then the... Probably the highlight of the day is is Marquette going to the Cole Center. Uh, this will be Marquette's third game against a Big Ten team. Um, and I, the verdict on Marquette is that they're really good. They were able to keep up with Purdue. Uh, they've beaten Illinois. Um, they've got one of the best players in the country in Tyler Kolek. And I'm intrigued to see, you know, Wisconsin's been experimenting with different lineups and their and their depth, uh, playing, you know, 10, 11 guys. Uh, we finally saw Connor Asijin get sort of back on track in the SMU game. So hopefully he's you know, if he's at full strength, then his shooting brings another dimension. But I think this is another game where you're really looking for store Blackwell and wall to keep attacking the basket and try to generate points there. And at the foul line, um, and we'll see if the defense, the defensive improvements are actually here to stay, or if they were a little bit of fool's gold last week. And then, uh, we got a good old fashioned big 10 throwdown in Illinois Rutgers, um, at that is at the rack, because again, on this podcast, we do not recognize Jersey Mike's arena, I feel like we haven't talked about Illinois as much as we should have so far this year, but uh, they're top 10 team in the country and on defense, their offense has been a little uh, iffy to start. I think especially shooting threes, they're, you know, at 31% from the season, but Terrence Shannon uh, has, has been, you know, good as, as good as we expected. Um, and hopefully, you know, you see Quincy Gary and Marcus Domas kind of get going from, from three, but uh, Rutgers, as we, as we know, always hard to go play at the rack. Uh, you know, they're not, as great defensively as they've been in years past, but they're still very good. Um, and we're seeing Simpson really kind of get going a little bit more. So I think, you know, whatever guards have the more uh, complete performance, I think should win those games. What do we got on Sunday, Steve? Yeah. A, a 
unique treat of uh, of a doubleheader for us in terms of um, impactful games. So th- first, we've got Creighton um, making the long trip from Omaha to Lincoln to take on Nebraska. So um, this this Creighton team, I think, is actually at a, a little bit of a, a crossroads with respect to this year. Um, so you know, we we talked about them a couple weeks ago because they they beat Iowa in the Gavit games, but. Um, they actually just got blown out by Colorado State last week. They they lost by 21 points to them, and um, they turn around and and play a, a, an out of conference game against Oklahoma State this week before taking on Nebraska. So, um, you know, we know they were, you know, they're a top 10 ranked team um, heading into this year and Elite 18 from last year, but um, facing a little bit of adversity. Um, whereas Nebraska, this is really their their first true test. So, I actually I'm looking forward to a really competitive game there and. Um, for us getting to find out whether Nebraska's for real or not. Um, and then finally, we've got Minnesota heading to Ohio State. I believe Minnesota went in there and, and won this game last year. Um, so we've got Jamison Battle taking on his old team. So we'll see if that's personal for him as well. Uh, but I think, you know, more importantly, this game to me is all about Ohio State and whether um, if they're for real, they can get off to conference play um, in a game that they really should have no issues um, winning. Um, and it's it's really just about them getting off on the right foot and riding the momentum that they built last week and in, into a win here. With that, that's that's everything that um, we had planned to cover um, for you guys this week was an exciting Thanksgiving week filled with up and downs for the conference. Um, and we're excited to to get into conference play this next week. So um, we'll be with you again next week to take you through what happened. And um, we thank you all for for having a, a listen. Um, as you get acclimated to life again after Thanksgiving. Thanks, everyone, and we'll talk to you next week.